When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about a discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? It's been a weird day, Jesse, but it's been good, man. I'm, I'm good excited day. about MCP. I'm excited to talk about Elektra today. What? I mean, as of recording, still waiting on uh, Blob and Pyro, so... Yeah, man, we gotta we gotta make our own fun at this moment. Uh, you know, at the moment, <laughs> yeah, we'll get them. We have so many great things on the horizon. It's so exciting to me that like we are going to Warfare Weekend, and I was thinking about this today. Between now and Warfare Weekend, we'll have Sentinels and Red Skull of Hydra fully in the game, and I feel like Sentinels and Red Skull of Hydra in particular are both going to change the game a lot. I mean, Red Skull of so Hydra is bringing bringing grunts that can contest secures you and i talked about this in fact on the last episode that was shadow and daredevil and how impactful we think that's going to be with the red school of hydra master of hydra and then of course the prime sentinel being splashed everywhere because why not and then as an affiliation on their own right that's like three major things to me red skull being splashed with his grunts which are going to impact the game prime being splashed and then a new affiliation and sentinels right and then of course hydra getting really fleshed out because they're getting their final big piece that they really need to be fleshed out i think and we've got more time now with the winter guard that's right you know just a lot of a lot of new things coming into the meta Uh, a lot of things for everyone to kind of figure out uh play around with see how it changes how we build our teams essentially it's it's an exciting time it's always the most exciting time in games for me is when metas are changing and new characters or new cards or what have you are kind of added into it it freshens everything up and it just gets you thinking about things again yeah absolutely and i'm on cloud nine chris because i mean i'm still just in the beginnings of digging into the human torch fury senior and classic Steve for my shield team. And it's so cool. I, you know, we were talking about this last episode and the previous episode, I think even we touched on this, but we are at a point in the game now where you can just like, you genuinely can have a team that's like seven, eight or nine affiliated characters. And that's like my shield list right now. Yep. It is a bunch of shield guys and like a couple splashes in like, it just feels so thematic, but it also like mechanically 
it feels like shield and works well too. It's more than just the theme. It's, it's the pieces are there now to play with, you know, and figure out, is this sure. a game where I bring torch or not? I don't know. Like I need to try different things, but like now it's like, it's fun to have those flex pieces like a torch that are actually affiliated with your team. You know, it, like the game is just getting set to a point where teams are so fleshed out that you're not reaching for splash characters much. You're reaching for in affiliation flex characters. And I love that. I really feel like when the game started, this was, this was the point that we were very excited for the game to reach. And now we are here and it feels really good, man. It does. It does. So I don't know. I'm really just happy where we're at in the game and it's just getting better week by week, Chris. We've been talking about this, but I mean, it's true. Like it's not just getting new affiliations and new models. We're getting teams fleshed out and more fun and more options and the year's not over. No, we got some time and I think we probably have some pretty big announcements left. I think we got a couple of big things yet to happen mm. if memory serves correctly. Yeah, announcements that'll kick off the new year, right? Like into this year that'll be right. New year things. Yeah, probably so. Time will tell. There. We are getting there. Yeah, like I just mentioned, I'm on my shield kick right now and really diving in deep and working hard on them. And and you're the same, Chris, going back to an old favorite. Well, for now, mm-hmm. until I can really uh, hammer something else or something out. Yeah, but I'm working with X-Force trying to figure out how to win with them, not just keep it close. But we're getting there. There's a few a few spicy splashes on thinking about but that's pretty much all i ever really think about though i feel like there's gonna be a reckoning too chris for anyone that's like put a lot of time into x-force and then when weapon x comes out it's literally going to be probably a sub faction of x-force in a way if you look at the character list kind of what it feels like so those players that have put a lot of the x-force time in like yourself i think are really going to be rewarded as they should be you and i talked about last episode it feels like it might go that direction. And if that's the direction is, that's very cool that you have basically an X-Force Weapon X roster because you just, all the characters are crossing over, you know? And it's like, play what you want to play. What affiliation you play in this game? I like that. Oh, it's it's one of your favorite things about this game. It is. But then it's also like, it's not one of my favorite things when I'm in my uh, training mode because... Sure. I like to I like to stay focused when I'm in training mode. I like to take away the other mm-hmm. options from yeah. myself that they are usually, you know, kind of the devil on my shoulder kind of talks me into the thing I know I shouldn't do, but maybe it's more comfortable or maybe it's just what I'm feeling that day. So when I needed to work with uh, on Mystique's leadership, I just took Magneto out of the list, period, gone. Right. No option. Like I talked about last episode, it's just more of my, it's more of my fun approach, but my tournament approach usually is one or two leaders max, just period, because... Yeah, I like to have those final slots for flex characters to help me overcome certain scenarios and lists. And that's kind of what those final flex spots in your list should be in most situations in a tournament setting. But yeah, I love that we're at the point in the game where you can do both, but you can also just forego that entirely and just go mono all the way and have something like I have the shield roster with eight affiliated shield members, you know, that I'd like to get up to 10 one day when we get more models in the game. So I think that'll happen pretty quickly, actually. But I do have a question involving this. Any initial thoughts on the original Human Torch, uh, on old school Cap, on the maybe this Nick Fury Jr. Seal Shield affiliation as a whole, if you want to get that broad with it. But Whoa, mostly yeah. I'm... I'm really curious about the original Human Torch and uh, old school Cap. 
Okay. Yeah. And I recently got my uh, Longshanks badge for Shield. I feel like I'm starting to learn things where you've played in over 10 mono Shield games in tournament settings. So that's helpful. Nice. And I'm kind of getting a good feel for them. With these new models, I feel like Fury Senior is the standout and the staple. And I think that's what we already said before, because he's essentially a faster Bucky that's affiliated with shield, you know, which is very cool. Gross. Uh, he doesn't hit as hard as Bucky, but that's okay because he has other things he does that are really unique. He's like a more flexible turret character than some of the, just the turret characters in the game. But I just think he's a cool three threat to give you affiliation. Cause in my experience, I'm bringing Fury jr and iron man, most games. And that's where I start my building. So interesting. It's just because we all know iron man is a superstar now in the game and it's, he is shield affiliated. So it's like he brings a lot to my team in the way of damage. If he spikes or control, if he gets pushes and of course he's very tanky. So it's, it's helpful because shield's not really tanky. (laughs) And he is, he is kind of a weirdly tanky damage dealer. Yeah. Or, ranged damage dealer i should say sorry and you and i talked about this a lot on after dark and we'll talk more about it in the coming months because shield has become a primary team of mine but it's like shield is one of the only true defensive teams in the game just full stop they are one of the only true defensive teams in the game up there with the web warriors and stuff and when you figure that out you start playing them differently than other affiliations in the way you normally pursue stuff in the game. Also, they don't hit hard. So you really oh, got to choose when you're attacking people because you really don't want to pepper people and give them a little bit of power, right? You want to kind of like focus fire the gun line on targets, but ignore the rest of the enemy team, right? And kind of hold your defensive positions. Never want to spread the damage because you don't hit very hard and you can't really daze mm. models anyways. And so there's a lot of things going on, but I just love how defensive they are with their cards, with their play style. And then I love they can be defensive. And then when you get ahead on points, then you can trigger that part of their leadership that gives them aggressive where they can move on to points. If they spend a power, they can move towards their target that attacked them short if they spend a power, which essentially can get them back on points and stuff. So it's very interesting. Torch, I've played a couple games with him now. I've only played him on tight maps. I think that's probably the way to go because he's not fast, but I'm willing to try him on non tight maps. I, I, I wouldn't recommend him on a D let's say that a, very spread diamond shape but demons downtown if i can fit him in he's coming in because he gets power for everyone that's incinerated including your allies similar to blade Mm. like that bleed from your allies as well on blade but also he can just have his one swing turn with a new age on that map in particular that could really help you out because giving you that shield all webbed up turn is really nice when you have a bunch of four dice attacks which is what shield does they don't have big attacks so he helps them on that turn they use their energy weapons after he's popped that card. And um, he's just fun, Chris. Like he, like you and I talked about in the episode, he's very complex. He's very glass cannony. And he goes down to Mystic. So like he's got a lot of weaknesses, but yeah. got a lot of strengths too. He's got some beam attacks. He's got some uh, auto damage, you know, just a little bit, little pings here and there that add up. Those are so good. Those are so good. So I don't know. He's interesting. I, I need more time with him, just like I need more time with Classic Steve. So Classic Steve is kind of one of these things where I'm going to start playing him just all the time, even if it's against my better judgment, just to learn him because I definitely think he's good. I just think he yeah. is a flex. I, th- I just think he's a flex four. I think he's the four that you bring on wide maps because he's really fast because he has on your left, which is a free move action without taking an action. And then he can move again like you and I talked about in the episode. He also has really good defenses for pay to flips. So somebody throws you on pay to flips. He's really good there too. So I think the main instances you want him are pay to flips and kind of spread out maps where he can sort of marathon between places, kind of like a Black Panther. 
and outside of those two spots, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure because something with shield you run into, you've got a four threat leader. It's really hard to get more than like one four threat in your list. Just period. You're kind of yes. just bringing threes and twos. Cause you have a four threat leader and anyone out there that plays four threat or five threat leaders, they just know this. Like you can't bring a lot of four threats. It's just the math doesn't work out. So with shield, you're typically being like, okay, I'm bringing fury, bring it iron man. Maybe I'm bringing fury senior Bucky. Now I'm at 10, you know, you add another three, you're, you're at 13, you add another three, you're 16. And it's like, I don't know. You, it gets really easy to add a two in like a black widow or something, but then it starts getting hard to add a four and you want your gun line. You don't want to re- remove your gun line. Sure. So yeah, Steve is this sort of super aggro Medusa that's fast, but he doesn't really add a ton to the gun line. So there's interesting things it's going on tough. there too. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are my findings so far. I'll continue to say it every time. Anyone wanting to try shield, definitely reach out to me. I'll try to guide you in the right direction, but they're not an easy team. They're like the web warriors or something. You got to get that 10, 15 games in your belt before you start kind of figuring out how they work. Cause they really are about this sort of defensive play style, using eye in the sky, using their cards correctly, knowing when to do what at the what times, knowing when you're ready to date someone. Cause you're, Weapons don't do a lot of damage. So I find it so cool that we have a team that's just a bunch of not even meta humans, just humans with guns and stuff in the game now that that's viable. That's a viable team. You know, it's very cool. And uh and then they've got a couple people, Chris, like the She-Hulk, you know, on that team and kind of shoring up their uh, non-superpower-ness, which I find very cool as well. I love She-Hulk. I love the show. I love the character in MCP. I love the character in comics. It's just too good. She's great in the game fun uh all the things yes makes makes a lot of sense and my last thought on shield chris is um secret wars 3 just ended and i did take the victory the championship for secret wars 3 that's our patron league with shield in the what if draft and what's funny is i think shield's in such a good spot now that the what if draft i prefer my shield team now than my what if draft team because you know the draft is very competitive you know and i'm very happy the models i got but the later half of the draft i was like Oh man, I, I need I need some shield gunline people, and I can't get them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Iron Man was taken, Bucky was taken. Of course they were, you know. But I will say, Chris, you know, it was very exciting to play all these people in the finals and have a blast. And we'll talk more about that in the after dark. But the craziest fact is, I closed out the final game against an amazing opponent. But the craziest part of it was I did it with Colossus. Yes, Colossus did not want to die. He is so strong, and Colossus. When he can spend a power to aggressive with shield leadership, mm. it shores up his biggest weakness, which is movement, right? So he was just tanking those points. And uh, yeah, I it was a really close final match of the series. It was really good. And I'm really looking forward to Secret Wars 4, which we have up on the Patreon Discord right now. Signups, which will be starting very soon. So if it's something you've been interested in the past, definitely check it out under the Secret War tab. And if you, you know, a lot of you have been asking when's that starting up and when to join the Patreon. Be starting up in, you know, a couple weeks. Already that time. Goodness. It is. And that leads right to the business of our patrons. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis protocol needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show and like to join our Discord community, consider supporting us on the Patreon. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we want to send a very special shout out to Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. And of course, Chris, we cannot do this show without our Avenger producers, Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, Brian, and Rich. Thank you so, so, so much, guys. 
All right, Chris, we haven't even talked about who we're doing today, but we did mention it last episode. Let's get into Electra Nachios in lore. Well, Jesse, I'm happy to be here today. Big Made fan it. of Electra Nachios. I mean, she's been around for a long time, but she's, you know, we talked about it last week and I mentioned it last week that she's going to be one of those kind of daredevil centric characters. Uh, she kind of stays within the world of Daredevil for the most part, though she has had some dalliances with uh, appearing in some Wolverine titles as kind of right. a, a team up with Wolverine, which, you know, I love, always love Logan. We love it. It's so funny. I was such a contrarian as a kid, you know, I just couldn't stand <laughs> Wolverine because he was everywhere. Ugh, how ridiculous of me. <laughs> That's so funny. The tables have turned, Chris. Why? How the tables have turned. He is everywhere because he's an amazing character. And yeah, you know, they do like to throw him a lot of places sometimes over the top, but there's a reason for it. Well, if he moves books, he moves books. That's right. Electra Nachios is the daughter of a Greek ambassador slash crime lord. Her mother died early in her life. Because of this, her father insisted on her becoming trained in self-defense, and what do you know, she was truly gifted, and after she meets one Matt Murdock, her life will change forever. But Electra Nachios, who is she at her core, Jesse? She's an assassin, man. That's just what she is. Yep. Even when she's on the side of the angels, as it were. You know, Jesse, we've kind of talked off mic a little bit about Miss Nachios here. It's hard to believe that she's not always just been in the Marvel kind of pantheon of heroes and characters that she hasn't right. always just been there with Daredevil, but she hasn't. She was actually introduced in January of 1981 in Daredevil number 168. She's created by Frank Miller, as we have discussed previously uh, in previous episodes, like many of these uh, very cool daredevil villains and things that were either created by Frank or given, you know, kind of mythos altering moments by Frank Miller. Uh, he really, he really did just revitalize daredevil, save the character entirely made him and ushered in kind of the anti-hero era to a certain degree. Daredevil was just never wasn't moving books past his initial run and creation. Mm -hmm. Until Frank kind of took over. And part of that was introducing Electra. Electra will not at first not be intended to be used very much, if at all, but she just proved so popular that she just kept coming back. And I'm very, very happy she did. So Jesse, let's move on to her superpowers. And then we're finally going to get into her history and kind of figure out her story what she kind of represents. Yeah, she's got some superpowers that are a uh, little interesting on top of the ones you we know. Sure, it, you know, but a lot of them are maybe that story specific or have gone away right. since uh, she kind of expelled the evil or from one of the times she's died, blah, 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 yada, yada. Electra primarily relies on her martial arts and just extreme, extremely effective hand-to-hand -hand and uh, weapon combat. She is probably the world's foremost expert on the Okinawan Sai. She's absolutely incredible with them, and part of her power set kind of is the size she usually has with her 
are extremely sharp. They have cut things that um, are kind of known to be indestructible-ish in the in the Marvel continuity. Uh, you know, we're thinking maybe they're adamantium or, or something. Has not been confirmed uh, to my knowledge as of the date of recording this episode, but I always thought that was very, very cool. For reasons, they are also keyed into her biosignature bio and deliver quite a hefty shock to those that are not Electra Nachios attempting to wield these size. She is, for all intents and purposes, a ninja assassin. Uh, she is right. able to hide in the shadows, uh, strike out of nowhere, uh, strike killing blows very, very quickly, very effectively. She has at times had meta-human abilities and traits, but those are not kind of always and not really reflected in her MCP kit very much either. Just to, to for a kind of TLDR here on this, she will kind of develop some low-level telepathy, some minor illusions, the ability to kind of memorize, uh, mesmerize things that would be absolutely insane in our world right now, but in the world of Marvel 616, kind of, you know, just run-of-the-mill uh, low-level powers. Nothing nothing too crazy. Yeah, she's kind of like Black Widow's abilities with a m- more mystic element. You a little know? bit, yeah. I think that's a great a great way to put it. Of course, she has a much different mindset than Black Widow yeah, and, these days. and tactics to interrogate, too. Yeah, a little bit different. Oh, yeah. But- so, as stated previous... Electra is the daughter of a Greek ambassador and crime lord. Her mother died uh, shortly after childbirth. Electra never really knew her. And because of this, because her father was worried about his daughter, uh, despite being a crime lord, doesn't necessarily mean he was a bad dad. But I mean, he was. But in this instance, he had her trained in martial arts. As I established, she became kind of a a phenom and uh, would become very, very good at that. She would first encounter Matt Murdock at university. Matt and Foggy would, uh, in a flashback in her first issue, uh, we find Matt and Foggy kind of walking around campus. They notice this uh, gorgeous Greek girl being escorted by some bodyguards and and the dean of campus. So naturally, they were curious. Matt has Foggy distract the guards and 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 others, and Matt takes the opportunity to ask Electra on a date. Skipping ahead a little bit, they will end up being being together for a year or so. It is said they were very in love, but that would all come to a halt one day while her father was visiting. She would be, and he would be, taken hostage. Of course, Matt had already shown his abilities to Electra, but he had never taken any action as Daredevil, and this would be the first time he would don the mask and try to do something. But Matt would learn learn a very important lesson in this. He would kind of, he would attempt to dispatch the the bad guys and he would do a pretty effective job but while he was doing that something he could not control other people he could not control would get involved during this ruckus the police below had no idea what was happening who the good guys were who the bad guys were they thought the hostage takers 
the terrorists, as it were, maybe, begin to eliminate hostages. So they opened fire, and this would end up killing Electra's father. And this would start both down a path that would alter them forever. Matt Murdock would learn that he can control himself and make a great number of things happen, uh, mo- you know, positive things happen, but he can't control everyone around him and they can still cause destruction in their misunderstanding or perhaps their panic or anxiety. And Electra would begin a path of revenge. Years later, Electra would be introduced as an adversary to Daredevil. And of course, eventually they would begin an on-again, off-again romantic relationship, kind of similar to Spider-Man and maybe Felicia Hardy, the Black Cat, maybe Batman and Catwoman, kind of this upstanding hero, supposedly, with a a kind of anti-villain thief-type character, in this case an assassin. They would be adversaries at times. Uh, She would be the Kingpin's assassin at times. But during that extremely fateful uh, Frank Miller run, which we have discussed in no fewer than three episodes of this podcast at this point, Electra would be killed by Bullseye. And she would be gone for a very long time. Pivotal moment in Daredevil's story too, Chris, just like the death of Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker's story, right? 100%. And really kind of like a lot of those moments with Daredevil and specifically that Gwen Stacy moment there you mentioned with Peter Parker, a moment that would change comics forever, really. Yeah. Now, of course, Elektra would be brought back to life by none other than The Hand. That's right. We talked about it last episode. They bring people back to life. They do. They do. They absolutely do. And this is kind of when she would get some powers too. You know, the the hand can bestow powers upon people. And that does happen. Eventually, she would lead the hand. She would leave the hand. Now, one of the big bummers about Elektra's backstory is that she just kind of disappears for a while after that first death. And then we lose a lot of her story, or we lose a lot of time with her, because for a number of years, she is a scroll sleeper agent. During Secret Invasion, she would be one of the original deaths that would tip off the fact that scrolls have infiltrated the Earth hierarchy and, and Earth systems. She would be freed and return to Earth. Upon returning to Earth, she would kind of flounder a bit, uh, searching for what the character is. She would kind of lose that assassin, anti-hero thing that made her so popular in the first place. She would begin, uh, she'd work with S.H.I.E.L.D., she'd work with Hammer. She starts showing up with uh, Red Hulk, with X-Force. I don't really think it's until post-Shadowland, which we discussed in depth last episode a few years after shadowland where she would get her own her own series uh, that would run 11 issues and spoiler alert this is going to be my big uh you should read this recommendation for the podcast and that is electra volume one bloodlines and electra volume two reverence it is just 11 issues 
all together, but very interesting read. And it really brings you up to speed on Electra. Just everything about her, her character, who she is, what she's about, how she's, I think she's a hero uh, at the end of the day, but maybe she has some different ways of getting there at times. But uh, this is written in starting in 2014, and it will really clue you in to Electra and just set the character back on track. And to kind of continue that, I really believe uh, I've sung the praises of this run a few times, about a billion times now, but in uh, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil run, Electra plays a major, major role. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but I would highly recommend that you read that entire run as well. Uh, The Charles Soule run of Daredevil leading into that is also great. But for the most part, you're going to get an excellent understanding of Electra by reading this. But you'll really get a a wonderful understanding of the character by reading Electra's Volume 1 and 2 by Hayden Blackman. Just a, a wonderful, quick little series. Sweet. And you already mentioned Chip Zdarsky's run where some uh, big things happen with Electra. It was very exciting. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. And just honestly, a, a wonderful kind of example of what it means to be a street-level hero in New York, uh, this Zdarsky's run. His use of cameos is just incredibly well done. The amount of gravitas that Spider-Man has in this comic is honestly really frames the character in a way that I think it's good to be reminded of. In this world, Spider-Man is a big deal. So, Yeah, especially the age he is at this point in time, right? I could just sing the praises of of that that particular run just for hours. So, Jesse, excellent. We're going to have to gravitas. <laughs> I know. Well, Chris, you did mention one thing that caught my ear. Yeah. And something you and I always kind of touch on the end of these lore segments now, which I really like that we do. We didn't do as much in earlier episodes because we didn't have as much time. You mentioned that Electra, you think at her at her core is a hero. I absolutely do. We had a good discussion last episode about Matt Murdock. We had a great discussion on Daredevil episode about Mur- Matt Murdock. Where do you think she fits in the sort of mythos of Daredevil, that sort of thing we talked about where you have characters like Matt Murdock. So if you juxtapose her next to him, we have characters like him where he wants to be moral. He is moral. He has all these good things. But then at night, as he's street level in this universe, in this world, which I know it's Marvel 616, but the Daredevil universe, especially the Miller stuff, it's a little darker. It's a shade darker. True. Got shades of that Sin City creeping in. I see you, Frank Miller. But also it's like where do these characters like this fall on this line? Where does Gletcher fall? Because I feel like she's very similar to Matt and maybe she's more of a pendulum swing than Matt where it's like Matt does kind of keep that center and he leans towards the good. Of course he goes left or right frequently, but I feel like she does that as well. Right. Uh, To an extent, uh, you know, there for a while she's trying to find her footing and and for a while she's out and out a villain. Um, Right. Yeah. But yeah, I think the footing she has found in 2022 I think she is firmly in the super, I I guess, hero camp. She's still, man, she's a former assassin. So it's a lot like you mentioned. It's a lot like Black Widow. I I would say that Elektra is probably a little less inclined to follow the (laughs) rules to a T. She's very comfortable operating in the shadows. I mean, look, at the heart of it, she is a ninja. And what did the ninjas do? Right. They, They did some pretty you know, underhanded kind of bad tactics, uh, craven tactics 
uh, yep. type things to achieve their goals of what they perceive to be the greater good. And uh, that's kind of where I put okay. Electra. Yeah. And I, I like that she has a heart for good though, you know, on top of all that, I like in the sense of, that feels very Daredevil universe to me of our leads. I mean, yeah, it's, it's still with a caveat. She will, she will kill for money, but right. Not innocent people though. That's the, how we get around the, the Marvel, <laughs> the, the, the Marvel thing. She's a more rules breaking dark side, Matt Murdoch, but it seems like her heart's, so. in the, her heart's in a similar place, but they also balance each other out and are foils for each other in different ways, which I think is why they work, you know? So interesting, very interesting, you know, and easy to juxtapose someone like Electra next to someone like Kingpin, like you talked about in this series. Cause we've kind of done a series of Daredevil now inadvertently. <laughs> oh, things cool. like, Bullseye yeah, cool. and Kingpin, you know, she's not on that level as the bullseyes and Kingpins, but yeah, I mean, she has been a mercenary. She has been an assassin. She has been a bounty hunter, right? All these things where she just kills for pay, right? <laughs> so you've got to keep that in, in mind that she's had to do things like that, you know? So interesting character in that way, really, honestly. So I, I feel like a great, great part of Matt Murdock's universe. And like you said, you wouldn't believe that she didn't come around until 81. But sometimes these type of characters like Daredevil really find their footing decades later. And then that's when they really take off. And that's what happened with him. Miss Nachios was one of the reasons why she absolutely is. Uh, she and she provided him maybe a little tether of of humanity, another love interest, slash, kind of, but also a peer instead of someone that's not maybe meta human or sure perfect human. I don't know what you want to call these street level non powered individuals that are clearly meta humans. <laughs> spikes of meta human power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this in this world, they're not. They're just perfect human forms or whatever. But yeah. No, and not to mention, man, her character design is just rad. Daredevil's character design is rad. It's kind of, it's the more grim, dark side of Marvel. It's just a wonderful mythos. It's a wonderful, awesome, complex history of characters. And that's right. <laughs> kind of commentary. It's, it's very cool. I've, I've said it before on the show, but I'll say it again because I'm a huge fan wouldn't have the turtles without daredevil and electra is a big part of that Raphael does use the size he does wear the red ninja sweatbands just like electra and he is very similar to her character he is obviously the most he's the turtle that will break the rules kill people he's angry but then he always is pulling towards good you know he's struggling back and forth with that yeah. i just i love the parallels that those writers directly drew with all that and you know it's so cool uh, art influencing art like that you know and I, I just love it i love it so much and someone like me, you know, growing up really young on the turtles, and that's what I knew before Daredevil. It's pretty cool, you know, and then it led me to Daredevil. So it's a it's a neat thing. But yeah, Electra is iconic. This suit. I agree. I mean, it's not just a ninja suit. There's a lot more going on. What an inspired choice that she uses size because they are one of the least popular ninja weapons from that era, you know? And that's kind of the point is that she's kind of mastered this weapon that very few people had mastered right. or used period in the history of the world. Yeah. She can still use the katana. Yeah. She can still use the bow staff. She can still use all these other weapons used by the ninjas, but that preference towards the size, it kind of puts her in a different realm and I love it. It's cool. And I mean, honestly, it gives, it gives writers and artists such an awesome you know, built-in visual there of the size trapping the swords. That's always such a dramatic moment in movies or comics whenever it, whenever it happens. So it's just Absolutely. nice to have that opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she, we could sing her praises all day. Right. But like you said, we have to move on to the MCU. We don't have to stay here long. Don't worry. So 
Electra is played by Elodie Young, a French actress in the Daredevil show, the Netflix show, which now, of course, is going to be a Disney Plus show. Wait, we don't want to talk about Jennifer Garner? We're going to move past Jennifer Garner, even though we love her. Oh, (laughs) okay. We love the things she's done. But let's talk about the real Electra here that actually gets a lot of screen time. Yeah, Jennifer Garner, first iteration in the 2000. She got her own movie, sir. Oh, I know. I know. What a weird side movie that almost doesn't even fit in the universe but no elodie young she's a french actress like she actually looks greek i don't she might be of greek ethnicity i have no idea chris but sure the portrayal of the character that sort of element you talked about is shown in the show she's a foe she's an ally this is currently shifting back and forth for matt for other key characters she does what she needs to do to get the mission done to survive And you never know what she's fully thinking. And um, on top of that, you have this wonderful actress bringing a level of physicality to it as well. And I don't know, we've talked about this time and time again on the show now, because we've done the Daredevil series. All these characters were so well cast. And then the show just worked at the budget it had. It it is an anomaly. Like you said, last episode, Chris, it is an anomaly. And to nail all these things so well, Electra is another standout of this show. 100%. You know, up there with the Wilson Fisks and stuff like the casting and the chemistry between actors this is a prime example of that i don't know i we keep saying if you haven't seen it watch it just you haven't seen it watch it and she's a major part in the show and i I find that very cool because she shows up in season two and becomes a major part of the show that point onward he's not lying no it's (laughs) it's a good it's a good portrayal and it's a good show but i'm not sure what else there is to say about it uh at this point i mean shout out to jennifer gardner but let's be fair that movie is just one of the worst ever that very 2000s like this actress we're talking about right now jennifer gardner it's a very it's a very safe (laughs) choice that's not even remotely in the realm of exotic or greek let's start there and and not accurate well Well, there was nothing there was nothing really accurate about that movie other than right it's involving daredevil the hand and she wore red yeah that's it she used some size i think in the movie but uh yeah this actress they completely nailed the accuracy of the character and, and her ethnicity and also just like her like we said this ability that she has because Electra has abilities chris outside of her assassinations she has a lot of political abilities to blend into a crowd to sway people, you know, all shown in the show very well, which is very exciting. But that's it for Electra in the MCU thus far. We're hoping she'll return for Daredevil Reborn. I really hope so. Yeah, I have a good feeling about that one. But Chris, we got to close out like we always do. You already mentioned it, but I'll mention it one more time. Your comic book recommendation once more with feeling. Well, I've got a, I've got a couple ultimately here. Uh, But number one, of course, is Electra Volume 1, Bloodlines, and Electra Volume 2, Reverence. Very good. Both by Hayden Blackman. I I also want to go ahead and say, uh, I haven't read it, but I've heard that Electra Black, White, and Blood is very good. Uh, Maybe a little on the mature side, but just go ahead and read Frank Miller's Daredevil, the first run. Just read it all. You'll be happy you did. Very good. Well... That leads us to the next place, Chris, which is we're going to go to strategy and talk Electra. Her name is Electra. Her alter ego is Electra Nachios. On her healthy side, she has a stamina of six, a move of medium on a small base, height of two, threat cost of four. 
Her defenses are very simple, Chris. They're three physical, three energy, and three mystic. And on her injured side, she has a stamina of five, picking her up to a total of 11. What are your thoughts on this four threat model? Jesse, it's hard to not love most of the things about this character in this model, except for the one glaring weakness that you would know it's there. And we'll get to it. But yeah, I love it so far. Yeah, and her defenses and health and stuff average for four threat. Sure, so sure. She doesn't have any standouts, which is weird to me. I honestly, I would think she'd have four mystic defense. Uh, yeah, maybe balance. Maybe balance reasons. Yeah, I, I you you would have to think that right. But also, when We've you think about the characters, characters, you think about the level of proficiency that four dice kind yes. of represents and. She might be better than three dice, you know, in lore, but is she four dice? I don't know. That's that's what that's Jean Grey level. I'm not sure, man. Jean's five. But yeah, yeah. I, but you I know mean, what I, I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Helichris is four physical, four energy, four mystic, which is interesting. So and she's so, a four threat as well. So comparable. Thank looking you. At thank you for the better for the better comp there. I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, she's not as powerful on a mystic level as Hela. Just no way. So I I think the three is probably correct. At the end of the day, it's all balance, right? For the game. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about her first attack here. She only has two attacks. First attack is a mystic attack. Oh man. Love it so much. Yes. Ancient throwing blades. It's range three. We love that. And strength of five power cost. Oh my gosh. On wild, you're going to trigger Pierce, change one of the defending characters, crit, wild, or block to a blank. Also, it's going to trigger bleed with that wild as well. After the, actors, after the attack is resolved, the target character gains bleed. And then also, there's a third clause here. After this attack is resolved, that there is not an allied hand ninja character in play. Place it in play within one of this character with an activated token. It is part of your squad. Chris, if we didn't know already, now we've figured it out. This is why her health and defenses are a little bit below average for a fourth threat, because she's got that grunt tax. Mm-hmm. You know, the grunts are worth it. They absolutely are worth <laughs> it. Good. But I mean, honestly, this attack is awesome. It just doesn't build power. Crazy, right? The only, I think at this point in the game where we're at as in recording this episode this is the only character we have in the game that has a builder attack that doesn't build character build power or gain power yeah on the attack itself she has an innate power later which we're going to talk about but yeah very strange chris very strange otherwise i freaking love it man <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean a range three five dice strike basically with pierce and bleed which keep in mind, listener home, if you get one wild, you trigger both. Thing yes. we love about MCP. So, so cool. Very easy to keep your brain wrapped around that. So yeah, I like it. But Chris, you got to talk about her spender here because her spender is awesome. Her spender is a physical attack. It is impale. Jesse, it's got a range of one, a strength of eight, and a power cost of five. Those are some big numbers and a low number. These are, these, are, these are all these are all inverted. We want another first we've seen on a spender uh-huh. attack is a range Nuts. one. Yeah, never seen it. If an allied ninja hands character is within two of the target character, the target of impale, add two dice to the attack roll. We've seen this before. So now we're awesome looking episode. at a 10 dice attack roll. We have two more clauses, folks. The defending character does not add critical results in its defense role to its total successes and and cannot 
add additional dice to its defense roll as a result of critical dice results. Jesse, this is nuts. You have completely eliminated one of the defense sides. <laughs> defense sides. And the only way to get more defense dice. That's wild. Yeah. You better hope you roll some natural blocks and wilds because we already know MCP is designed from the ground up to have less results on the defense dice innately. Just that's how the game works. Attackers are always in the in the plus side of things mathematically. So now you're taking away one of those defense side results. <laughs> okay, it's getting worse. Love mm. it. And you can't explode them either into more mm. positive Wild. results. Yeah. It's good. Just nice, nice, nice control. You still have to roll hits and crits and wilds yourself, but taking away an, an entire side of the dice for the defense is awesome. Yeah. But on top of all this, after the attack is resolved, Electra may advance medium. Jesse, this is a really good spender. It is. Is it worth the five power cost? I think it is when you're ready. Problem is, Electra has a really hard time building power, which we're about to get into, but she also has synergy with her superpowers to help you get this range one, so don't worry about that as much. But yeah, it's it's a lot of dice, Chris, and you're essentially removing their defense dice because this is her sort of ninja assassin impale. They have no idea it's coming. They're not ready to block it. So the theme is right. And then she moves away medium after it's performed, like mm. and gets gets safe, hopefully, right? So we love the spender on Laura because like at its worst, it's one more die than the builder that gives you an auto medium move. Right? Exactly. It's it's almost like a hit and run, honestly. Yeah. So it's like when you miss on that attack, it's not fun, but it happens a lot. And when you miss on that attack, you're like, that's okay. I still got a medium move. I got right. a free move out of this action I took that wasn't a move. So Impale is very much like that, but five power is a lot on a character like this. And while we're talking about her power, I'm just going to talk about her innate power out for blood. When Electra deals damage to an enemy character with an attack or superpower, after the attack or superpower is fully resolved, Electra gains one power. So she doesn't gain or build power off her strike, but anytime she deals damage with an attack or superpower, she gains just one flat power. So Chris, in fact, she gains one power with her impale, pretty much guaranteed, because you're going to deal with damage with an impale. You just are. You better. So it's weird because this is new for us. This is the only character we've ever had in the game that builds power through a innate superpower and not through other means. Of course, she can build power through the normal means of the game. If you deal damage to her, she builds power that way. So do not power her up <laughs> with damage <laughs> because that speeds this process along a lot, right? Because she can't build power innately. So very interesting. Very interesting. Very complex character. Well, Jesse, let's talk about some other ways you're going to be able to spend that power. Her first superpower is a reactive superpower. It is Assassin's Step. It will cost you two power. When Electra damages an enemy character with an attack, after the attack is resolved, Electra may use this superpower. Place Electra within range one of the damaged character. This superpower can only be used once per turn. So now we're within range one. We just have to have five power after spending two to get there. Right. This is pretty nuts, Chris. It's great. Not only setting up the spender, of course, but just mo moving around the board. Exactly. Not taking move actions is awesome. So the fact that she can 
ancient throwing blade, someone at range three, and then she teleports to them just like a ninja, and then could potentially do another range three attack on another target further mm-hmm. away and teleport to them. She can kind of daisy chain herself across the table if you give her an avenue to do that. Well, she can only use the super assassin's step only happens once per turn. Right. But I'm, I'm more oh, talking, talking about success future proof. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. What I'm saying is like, you're basically just trying to have two power to do this, to not take move actions and just get your economy of attacks out of her because we haven't talked about it yet, Chris, but this is a four threat you take for damage and damage only. <laughs> so you want her to get as many attacks off as possible, just like you would one of your high cost attrition threats in this game where you don't ever want to take move actions if you can. And um, yeah, I just find it very cool that she can teleport. And like you said, yes, that does make this sort of combo of let's say you do ancient throwing blades, you get one power because you deal to damage. And that's great because you needed two power to teleport. So then you pay for the two power and you teleport. And then let's just say by some chance after that, you had five power from the previous round. Very doable if you were dazed. Yes. Then you could immediately impale that target, probably daze them no matter what their threat level. Certainly if equal or lower threat level than her, she's probably dazing them. That's just how it's going to work. So yeah, I find it very cool that she can prey on characters and they're not safe because she can teleport potentially to them. Well, especially in the middle of the board. You know, it, it, like opening of round two, the possibilities can just kind of be endless with her. And mm. I think that is super cool. Having Being able to have a character that can kind of just assassin step across the board to wherever you need that damage. And it's yes. pretty conceivable, like you said, that next activation, you can just kind of daisy chain across the board again if needed. Yeah, It's really hard as an opponent to that to really plan for you know board flips like that it's because you just don't know how people are going to spend power you just don't know how to plan for that or anticipate it it's it's great (laughs) no it is really great no and to add on what you're saying chris let's not forget when you place in this game off of bases that creates a longer distance with your place right so if i place off of lizard i'm getting more placement than if i would have placed off of a small model, right? If I place off of Hulk, I'm getting much further back than that original range three. So it's kind of like you start getting these weird math situations where it's like, oh, Hulk's at range three. He's max at range three. I assassin step to Hulk. Now I'm range three, a Hulk base, a range one and electric base away from where I was. I just made myself across the table, like in one activation, like in one action. Stuff like that. I just love it. It's neat. It's really neat. Of course, got to have two power to do this. Got to have two power to do this. And it's the same with her next superpower, which is a reactive superpower called Martial Prowess. We've talked about it before in the past. It's been some time on characters like Gamora and Proxima Midnight cost two power. When Electra is targeted by an attack within range two, she may use this, this superpower. Instead of rolling dice equal to her defense, she rolls five defense dice. Then, if Electra suffered no damage from the attack, after the attack is resolved, the attacker suffers two damage. What do you know, Chris? This triggers out for blood, and then she gets one power. Okay, this is really cool and synergistic. In a weird way, martial prowess is discounted for her because you're probably going to deal damage to them. And even if you don't deal damage to them, you're fine with that because you blocked the attack, hopefully. You at least gave yourself a chance you to block more the, attack. the attack. Yeah, You blocked more of the attack. Right. You gave yourself a chance to to possibly survive or even just, like you said, deal a couple damage. This is one of those things that auto ping damage is awesome. And two's a lot. Two's a lot. And maybe (laughs) 
maybe someone's just uh, trying to build a little power with a four shot builder. You, yeah. four four strength abilities. Go ahead and use this. Try to get some extra power for yourself. Try to get some extra damage in on them that they can't block out of at turn activation. These are all very powerful things in this game. Absolutely. And of course, once again, this is a character that's very hard to play and all about positioning. Got to be a range two to use this. So if they're attacking you at range three, which is kind of where she wants to be because she wants to be throwing her blades until she's ready to jump in for the impale. She can't use martial prowess. So think about that. Think about that. There's a lot of things going on. Maybe sometimes you could even potentially assassin step yourself into a position where martial prowess is online. And you're also setting up that next turn, that sort of daisy chain and getting to your target because Chris, she's a true assassin. We have a true assassin character in this game after Killmonger, you know, so we've got different flavors of these assassins we talked about like it goes far back in our show with killmonger early on being a four threat assassin has one goal his goal is to kill models right and um not really do much else and she's the same way but closing on her card chris she has the innate superpower stealth characters must be within range three of electric to target her with attacks we love it we call it we talked about it last time on the show stealth is like one of the best defensive techs in the game because you just have to go to them to even attack them you have to get inside range three and it's the best defense but if you can't be attacked at all i think this really ties her kit together yeah the the range three kind of keeping her in that i mean we've talked about a few of these characters lately i really feel like mg put a lot of these kind of mid-range assassin type character kind of finisher characters uh in the game recently we've gambit of course I think is really good at this. I think magic is really good at this, but I think Electra might be tops at the moment, at least of this kind of newer wave and say yeah. newer loosely. Of course I've, you know, this year new, new to me is this year, right? Yeah. It's, it's crazy, right? She, she has one job that she does really well and that's it. So how do you, how do you engineer a scenario where this job is maybe pivotal for the game? How do you engineer a scenario for, Electra to truly shine or is Mm. it possible for is she just kind of an afterthought piece or is she even usable semi-competitively to competitively at the moment that's a hard question to answer because I feel like not enough people have put a lot of time into her you know I would agree with that myself included I've played several games with her I had a blast but certain games to her Dyson hit it felt very similar to Wolverine and my opponent ignored her right and feeling very similar to Wolverine. It's the right call. But what I find interesting about her is if you do ignore her, she's going to get to do what she wants. And yeah, she won't build as much power because you're ignoring her and not attacking her. But she can kind of daisy chain her way through with these assassin steps in KO and daze and KO all your lower threat characters <laughs> very quickly. So if you're willing to ignore her, that's great because she's not going to maybe take down your higher threat characters, but she will pivot and kind of assassinate lower threat characters. And I think that's very cool, Chris. Like I find I find it just like Killmonger, where it's like if you're making decisions to not attack him and control him, you've got to at least be content with the fact that he's still gonna get some lower threat models. It's just gonna happen, you know? But at least you're not powering him up. And you've got to make decisions. Like if you want to get rid of her, just like Killmonger or something, gotta go all in. And you gotta get her the next round too. Like when she dazes, then you gotta get her the next round because she will most certainly impale the next round. And you really don't want that. Because <laughs> the dream for her, I feel like, is assassinating a equal or higher threat model with impale right like i don't think i would use impale on a three threat no not if i if i'm overkill if i can assassin step in to someone i i definitely want 
if they are a three threat, I will say this. Mm. They better be the leader. Yeah, that's true. Also depends on what round of the game it is too, right? Like, yes. Yeah, she's going to eat three threats early on. That's just what she's going to do. Three threats and two threats. The late game, if she's still around, she's powered up. Watch out. Watch out four li- threats. I Watch like, out five threats. I like being able to send this this four threat that's been just decimating the wide team in after the, you know, maybe the one tall piece, uh, you know, rounds three onward. Uh, it's a nice option, but it is a nice option. Are there better options? Potentially. Oh, but are there a lot of better options? <laughs> I, Four threats, you know, it's just a hard question. Yeah, it's she's just, a hard just question so underrepresented. General. I'm trying to find a way mm-hmm. trying to find a way to to create a situation here for her that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the grunts, of course, make make everything a little bit better. You always have to factor in that the hand ninjas will be around. Yeah, and I'm gonna read them right now because I know if someone missed the last episode she does bring him to play and I will read ninja ambush first when this character is placed in battlefield as a result of coordinated strike or ancient throwing blades the hand ninja may immediately make an attack so that's another thing too Chris you've got to account for Electra is doing a five dice mystic attack followed up by a hand ninja four dice physical attack they have a stamina of two a move of medium and a mood on a medium-sized base and a height of two and their defenses are one physical one energy and two mystic which we talked about last episode how cool it is they have two mystic they have ninja weapons so only range two attack with four dice that's physical power cost of zero if you get it two wilds you trigger bleed so it's a little bit harder to trigger bleed on them they of course have ninja vanish so it's an action move one asset or civilian token being held by this ninja to another ally character within three of the ninja the odd character is now holding that token. Character cannot hold more tokens than is allowed by the crisis due to the superpower. Then this ninja is KO'd. And then, of course, we have the hand. This character cannot secure objective tokens. Instead, this character does not have to pay power when interacting with civilians or assets. What's very cool about this, Chris, in the Electra side of things, because I think we see them less with Electra, unfortunately. I think we see them more with Shadowland because we just see Shadowland yes. more in general. They can throw her something like a hammer, right? And then she starts getting very scary. And that's a perfectly reasonable way to use them round one, because interestingly enough, Chris, we talked about a weakness of Matt Murdock, the beast, Shadowland Daredevil, is healing brings out the ninjas with his range two. She brings them out with a range three mystic attack, and then they teleport out and hopefully perform that physical attack. So five dice mystic followed up by four dice physical, pretty strong. I mean, that's just like raw dice going in one target, you know, like they can only sustain so much. So yes, you are very right for bringing up the ninjas. The extract play is their number one thing they can do. I with think Electra. it's so strong. Yeah. But these are free attacks that should not be happening sort of in the game, right? Because it's a character that just keeps coming back. So they can soften up targets and hopefully she can finish them with impale and stuff. Very cool. Cause she's, we know the combo. We know the combo now. We've talked about it now. <laughs> she's going to ancient throwing blades. Hopefully get some damage on them. Very doable with her pierce. Matt Murdock also doesn't have that. Love it. Ninjas are going to come out. They're going to perform an attack with four dice. It might hit, it might not, but it's going to do a little bit of damage potentially. Then she's going to pay for assassin step, teleport to that character, and then perform an impale. And with 10 dice. With 10 dice. So we just hit them with five, four, and 10. And now they don't get to basically do anything defensively against the 10 in the way of crits. Yeah, They get to roll their base three or four, and that's it. I mean, unless there's some other tech around, of course, but I mean... Gosh, it's nasty, man. It's just, is it it competitive? Is it it competitive? I think it is, but here is an issue that's glaring with this. 
which bummed me out when I got my hands on Shadowland Daredevil and Electra got them painted up and started getting them on the table. I realized they share grunts. Yes. This is an issue when they're on the same team. Let's say Electra goes early in a round, she attacks Ancient Throwing Blades, the ninjas come out, perform an attack. Great. Then Matt Murdock goes, he happens to be range two of someone, performs an attack. Ninjas don't come out for him. No, they do not. They're already on the board. So weirdly, AMG created two characters that use the same grunts, which I find very cool thematically, but mechanically, they don't really work together very well. Now, where they do work well is kind of splashing them in different places, right? You can splash Electra with Kingpin and don't bring Matt at all. You still have those grunts, right? And there's no issues with who's bringing them out at what times. Am Am I doing it right? Should I be doing them on the left side of the table inside of the right side of the table because I got Matt on one side and I got Electra on the other side. Not an issue. But it is kind of a bummer that you're bringing these two pivotal members of the hand and it's really hard to use their grunts when they're both on the table. Yeah. And I've, I mean, you definitely want to play Electra and Shadowland Daredevil together because, of course, my fantasy is to get uh, Black Tarantula and White Tiger on the MCP board as well, and just well, really flesh out this Shadowland thing. Yeah, you want to play them together. The good news is they do. The grunts do work with original Daredevil, the the first <laughs> iteration of Daredevil. That's maybe right. the most underutilized four threat in the game. So Electra will be controlling the grunts, and regular yeah. Daredevil is there with her. I find that exactly. very cool. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And Chris is uh, hinting at something we're going to get to in affiliations here real quick. But before we get to affiliations, we're going to read Electra's named card, Bounty Hunters, Criminal Syndicate Reactive. After deployment is complete, an allied Electra or allied Taskmaster may play this card. So after you've deployed, mark the enemy character with the highest threat value with a bounty token. If the marked character is dazed or KO'd by the character that played this card, so either Electra or Taskmaster, during its activation, the character that played this card immediately makes one action after the effect is resolved and the bounty token is removed from the marked character if there's a tie for the highest threat value choose one of the tied characters to receive the bounty so you basically if there's multiple four threats you just can pick the one you want to make you love that very interesting card chris definitely not maybe the most competitive card but one of the most very fun card where it's like if you mark a target and of course this just eats up swarm teams which is great but if you mark a target you're essentially getting and free action that didn't exist in the game at all for Elytra, which is great. Another attack, yeah. another move, whatever. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's similar to the idea of like a frenzy. Yes. On Laura. some of these big melee characters, you know, Carnage and yes. Laura Kinney and, and things. You know, it's it's one action instead of maybe a move and then, and then a certain attack or strike. But this is still, it's interesting. Uh, I, I could see it being very, very powerful, but only in kind of some very unique situations. Feels very niche to me. When you love AMG, when they have this flavor, these cards like I this, do. like Electra, Taskmaster, like on a bounty hunt, I, I love it so much. But yeah, that is her one card. But Chris, now that leads us to her affiliations in the game. We've already mentioned it. She is Criminal Syndicate, so she's on Kingpin's team and on Shadowland Daredevil's team, but she's also a defender, which I find. Mm, super I cool. do like that a lot. It's just fun, right? It's fun, but it's also like adding to this sort of uniqueness that defenders have. Definitely. These street level heroes, these occasional otherworldly heroes, you know, Valkyrie's a great example of that. And then you've got magic too. Like the defenders really do have a lot of interesting elements because they are the sort of hodgepodge team where people come in and out all the time. I love it so much. Electra's on that team. 
And uh, you mentioned already, Chris, Daredevil, classic Daredevil's on that team, so they can work together. You get two four threats on the table, and those hand ninjas out. But I think the coolest thing with that is she can spend a power, which is very painful for her, but she can spend a power to change these big dice attacks into the worst defense of her target. Yes. And give them hex as well, which is going to make their exploding dice even worse. Like on top of what she's already doing with that. I love so hex. There actually is some really cool synergy with the hex. Not synergy with her spending power, but <laughs> right. with the ability itself, tons of synergy because she is a character that wants to perform multiple attacks on characters and get rid of them. But Chris, we got to talk about some fun places she splashes. And I'm going to start, and I think you have one in mind as well, Criminal Syndicate. Interestingly enough, shout out to Dr. D, Dylan. This is what he played in the Furies Finest Secret Wars League 2. He played Kingpin criminals with Lectra. What I love about this, this is not the typical route people go with Kingpin. They typically go super tanky models. She's not a super tanky model. But when you make her count as two on objectives, you force people to attack her. Mm, That's very smart. Also, she's affiliated. So she gets access to cards like Cruel Tutelage that one turn. She gets to contribute to all according to plan if she needs to. She can pass power to that bucket of that 10 power you need to pay for that. And some other criminal cards we got coming up in the new episodes so that's my first recommended spot for her because she is affiliated and you know people have their comfort zones with kingpin criminals and i want them to get out of the comfort zone i want them to get out of the bullseye lizard you know what i mean like staples of just the big boys kingpin lizard in particular and get in something like elytra where it's like make her make them attack her and see if she can go off yes she also shores up some of their weaknesses, Chris. Criminals don't hit hard at all. They just control and they just kind of tanks through stuff. So she's not that at all. She is an attrition piece and that's interesting. I like that a lot, Jesse. I don't have nearly as good of reason. It's it's very much more shallow reasoning here, but I like your reason though. I kind of like Electra in A Force. That's right. Another lady for the team. We'll start there. Another iconic look, too. I mean, oh let's gosh. be honest. That's right. And another great model. The MCP electric model is wonderful, I think. But the the idea here is she's essentially gaining two power a turn. I think she's probably your number one target for the uh, defenders of Arcadia affiliation, She-Hulk affiliation. Yep. I think it's very good. She-Hulk is going to be able to soften a lot of people up or... And take damage. And take a lot of the damage. And then who's getting the power? Someone else on the A-Force team? Electra's getting that power, right? Exactly. With Electra flush on power uh, in this manner, she's going to be able to assassin step in and impale or even just assassin step in and and do her base strike right? a lot. And I think her movement there, because she's going to be getting enough power to pay for Assassin's Step every round, guaranteed, uh, I I think there's a lot of power in that, uh, a lot of mobility in that. And stealth's always good. Stealth is always good, Chris. I find that very fun. And, you know, a couple more places, continuing with the idea you just started, Dark Dimension. She is getting two power turn no matter what before she performs any attacks. And then she performs two attacks and gets lucky. What do you know? She's at four power in one turn, right? And she's very close to getting that impale off right right away. I find that very cool. Also, I think she can spend her power really well, so she's not at threat to be hurt by the Dark Dimension like some other characters. But, you know, at this point in the game, Chris, there are other teams that pass power and help out power. Inhumans comes to mind. Very helpful. 
even Steve Avengers, she can do her assassin step and do her martial prowess for less. So that is netting her power in a way, which is very nice. I've got one. Yep. And uh, I need I need local local player Jeremy to listen up here. Hmm. Cyclops, think about it. Absolutely. And and I want the listener to know that uh, there is a, a local player here that is making the Cyclops leadership work. That's right. He is figuring it out. It is very interesting and impressive. He's putting in the time too. That's the most important yes. part. Yeah. But I I, I honestly think that uh, that big impale being able to pay for that. Almost every turn is wow. You if know what I mean? You could do that. If you could do that, yes, and set it up. Yeah. No, and I, I think she kind of fits in that plan you're talking about, Chris, of like Cyclops wanting people to be clumped up and her kind of like being in that stealth range. And then when she's ready, going in, blowing power from her allies and get a big attack off, right? It's very powerful. Um, yeah, good call, definitely on that. And the last place I'm gonna mention, she's really fun and it's a weird one, but it does work. Electra and Convocation. Oh, I like that. If you damage her on the one side of leadership, she gets a place of range one. So she gets closer to her targets. So synergy there, or she gets further away from her targets, gets back in stealth. Synergy there. The other side of the leadership, she can reroll one attack dice of a mystic attack. Okay. That's helpful too. Like so that's that. helping her get her power generation. But most importantly of all, and the most interesting and silliest part of this, she has grunts. And if you make the ninjas vanish and they KO themselves, or if your enemy kills the ninjas and you played the Ironbound books that turn, it does come back to the hand of the Convocation player for the next turn. Interesting. So this is a this is a weird way to kind of guarantee you get Ironbound books more in a game than you would in a game without grunts, a normal Convocation game, right? Because normally it's when a character is KO'd, you get the Ironbound books back. Sometimes it takes a while on normal characters because they got two sides, right? And your, your opponents are smart. They don't want to flip the Ironbound books back to you because they know it's your most powerful card is the Convocation. Well, Electra can do that at will with her grunts if she throws an objective to someone with the ninjas. Or she can just put the grunts in aggressive positions to try to get attacks off. And your opponent's like, I, I probably should kill them. And then when they kill them you get Ironbound books back. And I find it very cool that she actually has some synergy with their leadership, and then she has synergy with their best tactics card. So, you know, just find more space and convocation for another four-threat character, you know? No problemo. That's a fun pick. And find that space for a character that you're probably going to get called out for bringing until you prove that she can hang. That's right. And she definitely can hang. So anywhere she can deal damage and attrition team works as well. Of course, Cabal works. We mention this every time. But my last interesting pick, Chris, is Spider Foes. They get to see all the dice results after dice are rolled and before they decide to use their leadership, which is re-roll one of your opponent's defense dice. So Electra can be at a point where she's saying, I'm not dealing any damage. Reroll that one block. I'm dealing damage. Okay, now I trigger out for blood. That gets her engine going too, because she has knowledge of their opponent's dice very good in spider foes uh, i think she's a fun pick there and just flavorfully fun too like yeah i could see like some of these guys hiring her you know to work with them to get the spider people or something so it, it really works and yeah she's a fun character play her more i wish we could talk about her all day but we can't and i think it's one of those things where four threats are very interesting in this game chris where we're getting more of them that are one role and one role only and that's yes. what this character is and that is unusual for four threats because a lot of multifaceted arm swiss army knife four threats kind of dominate the game and the competitive side of things so a lot of these four threats that have one 
only focus kind of get forgotten about. And I think we should not forget about him because as Chris already mentioned, this is one of the better sculpts in the game. What an unbelievable sculpt this is. Yeah, man. I mean, she's in motion. She's kicking. We've got the, the ninja stars on her base as well. Size are out. The wraps and the tassels are flying in the wind too. But people forget about characters like this because people like Black Panther in the game exist. And we don't want you to forget about this because uh, fun factor in Electra is kind of through the roof because no one plays like her. And that's very cool. Great point. Uh, maybe that is the the big pull for Electra for me. It, on top of that, she's one of she's one of my, you know preferred comic book characters i quite enjoy good electra story oh absolutely yeah and let's get her more on the table yes please make it happen and let us know how it goes fury's finest is supported by our wonderful patrons you can become a fury's finest patron by going to patreon.com slash fury's finest follow the show online find us on twitter at fury's finest cast and instagram facebook and twitch at fury's finest email us at fury's finest at gmail.com with any inquiries ideas or collaborations we'd love to hear from you and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice it really helps us grow thanks to approaching nirvana for our show's music and like jesse said every little bit helps it helps more than you know uh, I'm sorry we always have to ask for it, but keep it up, y'all. It's it's always awesome. I think I had a similar spiel last week, but the game's growing. Let's yeah, keep the true. game and the pod growing, man. Let's keep it rolling. Absolutely. Jesse, where can the people find you? People can find me, Chris, online on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. I don't know, man. Not much going on right now. Very good. Well, Chris, this has been a fun dive into Shadowlands these last two episodes, and we've got more criminals on the horizon, which is very exciting, and some other stuff planned as well. We're going to have some cool things going, I think. Absolutely. And everyone that's uh, a patron and part of After Dark, stay tuned on that too. A lot more information there. But until next time, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 